I follow Jesus not just because I believe his teachings are true or good, but because I believe something happened. Something happened that can't be explained, that changed history forever, that changed my life forever. Not just that he died on the cross, but that he rose again. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church, a church for all generations. This is Pastor Jason. However you're listening and wherever you're listening, I pray that God blesses you today. Well, we are really turning the corner on our series called Starting Point. We're in the last two uh, installments of that sermon series, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you. Um, But before we get into that, just a couple of notes of celebration is uh, we had our big fundraiser for our youth mission trip and our bell tour. And I just want to thank everybody who helped to make that uh, fundraiser so awesome and so fun. We did it for the first time. We did a silent auction and we had the band playing and, and a bunch of the kids were participating in the band and it was so fun. And um, we're definitely going to do this next year. It was great. And uh, the really great part was the church really did a great job of supporting these kids um, our goal was to raise uh, $10,000, and we ended up raising $12,000. So it was just so awesome, and and I hope that uh, our kids definitely feel that support from the congregation, and it's really going a long way to pay uh, for their ministries that they're doing, that these teenagers are doing this summer. So, so super thankful, and thank you to everybody who came, uh, who donated, and who helped to make the event so great. Don't forget to get caught up on all the events and things happening around the life of the church. Just go to TowerHillChurch.org, and uh, you could check out everything going on. I also want to encourage you that if you're looking to grow deeper in your faith and you're not sure what to do next, we have a tab on the top of the page on our webpage called Next Steps. So I want to encourage you to check that out, and maybe you'll find what your next step is. Now, without any further ado, here we go with this week's episode of Starting Point. Everything has a starting point. That's the basic premise of this sermon series. If you're a guest with us today, maybe you came for the confirmation, for the baptism, I want to just bring you up to speed really quickly because I think it's important uh, to give this a little, give this sermon series a little bit of background, and that is this. When, when we were raised in our homes, we were given a certain framework in order to understand God. We were given a, a, a belief system. And maybe our, our parents took us to church, uh, maybe we went to Sunday school, and we learned all about God. And, and whatever it is, your background, usually, um, the way that as a child you understand God, you, you learn some basic things, like God is good, God is, he listens, he hears my prayers, God rewards good people and punishes bad people, and that's kind of the faith that we grow up with. But sadly, if you're like most people, That faith muscle never really developed past your childhood framework. And so what happens is, life happens, you grow up, you become an adult, and you are faced with adult-sized problems, and you're trying to attack those problems with childhood faith. Now, that's different than faith like a child, which is like you're all in, right? Because Jesus said that. But that child framework of faith is not big enough to answer your adult-sized questions. And so what happens is, we see this all the time, so... High schoolers, this is what's going to happen to a lot of your friends. Go off to college, and a couple of professors just sit there and like dismantle all the information about the Bible somehow. And it gives you a faith crisis. Or if you're an adult and something happens in your life, some tragedy happens, 
And you start to question everything. You question that childhood faith because it was never really equipped to handle your adult challenges. Now, here's the thing. I think a starting point for faith has to happen when you're an adult as well. Not just a child, but as an adult. And I don't think it's about information. Here's what I mean. So maybe you went to Sunday school, and somewhere in the back of your mind, there's all these memory verses that you had. And, and one day, you know, sometimes you just find yourself remembering them out of nowhere. You're like, oh, wow, that, that was in there somewhere. I don't, know, I don't know where that came from. Or you remember some kind of thing in church, like, you know, when you had to stand up and say something. Or maybe it was a creed or a prayer. And you remember those things in your head. But, but there's a disconnect between what you can think about, what the information in your brain, and your relationship with God. Because... Information doesn't necessarily mean a relationship. I can know everything there is about you, you know, just Wikipedia, learn everything about you, but I don't really know you because it's a relationship that's required. This is the same thing with God. And so an adult starting point of faith needs to start with a question, who is Jesus? If you can answer this question, this is the beginning of your starting point of faith. Not just, can you tell me everything you know about Jesus? No. Who is Jesus? So today we're talking about Jesus and the power of what it means to believe in him. Has anybody ever heard of somebody named Sidney Wooderson? Sidney Wooderson. Anyone? Sidney Wooderson. No, she's not in your seventh grade class. Sidney Wooderson. So in 1937, Sidney Wooderson, it's a he, Sidney Wooderson did something. He broke a record for running the mile. He ran it in four minutes, 6.4 seconds in 1937. And in fact, this world record stood for almost 20 years. It was actually believed that it could never be broken. In fact, they said that running under a four-minute mile, some of you remember this, a four-minute mile was impossible. There were scientific studies, Scientific Monthly put out an article explaining the science behind why it was physically impossible to run under a four-minute mile. They said your body would break down and the person who tried would likely die. Scientifically, right? I mean, that, was, that came out in the article because it had to do with the ratio of oxygen in the body. It was all this stuff that was, I just didn't understand. But there was science that said it couldn't be done. Now, about 20 years later, somebody believed that it could. A mid-distance runner from the UK named Roger Bannister. And on May 6, 1954, in front of a crowd of thousands in Oxford, he ran in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. It was cool. If you ever listen to the audio, if you go online and try to find uh, some of the audio or see some of the movies, it's really powerful. So he runs it and the crowd is really silent. And they're like, Roger Bannister, with a time of three. (sighs) Everybody goes crazy because they knew he had broken the four minute mile. Now, wait a second. I thought this was physically impossible. He didn't even die. (laughs) He survived it. And this record that was supposed to be unbreakable was broken. And he held on to that world record for 46 days. 
No kidding, 46 days. An Australian named John Landy, he broke that record on June 21st. He ran it in three minutes, 57.9 seconds. First of all, I can't even drive that fast. I, that's, that's just crazy that he was able to run that fast. Wait a minute. Another one? What's happening? Is something in the water in 1954? What is going on? Has the human body changed so drastically, so fast? Then, this is really cool. In August of that same year, they had a race. They thought this was a good idea. Between Roger Bannister and John Landy. Do you remember what they call it? Anybody remember what they call it? The Miracle Mile. The Miracle Mile. They had a race. And uh, Bannister, at this point in the race, he said this was the key to the race. John Landy, expecting Bannister to pass him on his left, looks left. And just at that time, Bannister passes him on the right. Bannister wins the race. Now check out this. At the time of 3 minutes, 58.8 seconds, which is almost a full second faster than the world record he made a couple of months before. What is going on? Is he a cyborg? Is he part robot? Like, I don't understand. Did he get superpower somehow? Was he bitten by a spider? I don't know. What happened? That this, because I thought this was impossible. That's the power of belief. When you believe something is possible, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. Now you're pursuing something as if it's going to happen. All of your passion, all of your energy, all of who you are goes in, pouring yourself into what is now possible. And now when other people see that it's possible, they're able to break the record too. Wait a second. It was in their heads that it couldn't be broken, but belief changed that. And the event of Roger Bannister breaking that record changed everything. Bannister's belief was the key to unlocking the victory. But it was the event of him breaking it that changed everything, that made the impossible possible. Now here's the thing. Here's what I want to tell you today. This is true with Christians. This is so important. Christians don't just believe that something is true about the Bible, about God. It's not just that I believe all of this is true that gets me up and keeps me following Jesus. It's not just the teachings of Jesus that compel me to follow Jesus. It's something else. It's the fact that he rose from the dead that changed everything. Something happened that changed everything. Even just think of those first disciples when Jesus was crucified. Do you remember what they did? They ran and hid because they thought they were next. They were terrified. They didn't want to die. What's the whole reason that Peter blows it so famously? Because he's afraid for his life. But something happened, and today is Pentecost Sunday. It celebrates that time when the Holy Spirit came and empowered those disciples, those terrified disciples, and it transformed them. And they believed something. They believed that they saw the risen Jesus, that they interacted with him, and that his resurrection had changed everything. What was impossible is now possible because Jesus did it. And he said he's taken us with him. And so now I believe it. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to proclaim it. And those apostles, every single one of them, ended up dying for their faith. 
They weren't afraid of death anymore. Something changed. Something happened that changed everything. I, I always say it kind of kiddingly, but I mean it. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I'm going to go find something else to do. Like we all are really wasting our time. He either did or he didn't. This is the event that Christians believe changed everything. So let's jump into our scripture today. We're going to the book of Acts. I want to share with you this early story where where, uh, the early church is still figuring out how to respond to this crazy thing that happened, that Jesus rose again from the dead. And I want to use it as an example to show you what was on their minds. It wasn't just the teaching of Jesus. It was like, they couldn't even like explain. He was raised from the dead and this has changed everything. So um, Peter and John, they were uh, in the city and they had healed somebody. And the word of that healing got out to the mucky mucks, to the religious mucky mucks, right? The word of the healing got out and they were concerned. You know, that's, that's what they said. We were concerned. So they brought them in. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Meaning, by what name did you heal that guy? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is new. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Said to them, rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, and he quotes Psalm 118, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now check this out. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men were with Jesus. They were astonished. Something was enabling these ordinary, uneducated people. Because remember, these disciples that Jesus picked, these weren't the cream of the crop as far as, uh, you know, schooling. In fact, the fact that they were fishermen and had other jobs meant that they didn't get to continue in their schooling. School waved them bye-bye and they learned a trade. So it's not like they were super scholars or rabbis in the making. They weren't, and yet they were able to stand there Remarkably, ordinary men. They had healed somebody and they're speaking the Old Testament to make 
make clear the way of Jesus Christ. There was something different about them that they couldn't explain. There was a power about them that they couldn't just explain away. And they were astonished. Then they called them in again. This is verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't have to read the next verse to know that they're not going to listen to that. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Jesus Christ, he did the impossible. He rose from the dead. Just like he said he would. And now this has changed everything because we believe we can too. Because he said if we just believe that he did it, that changes our reality. It changes our lives. We could run the mile in less than four minutes. We are the ones who can do it. Even though it seemed impossible, it is possible. We can have a relationship with God and we can go out there and we can proclaim his love to the world. We can preach the resurrection of the dead because he did it first. Jesus did it first. And so now we can trust that we can do it by his power. The resurrection changed everything. I mean, think about it this way. Um, According to this text, they were going out proclaiming the resurrection. But, you know, imagine if they were just going around. No, wait till you hear what Jesus said about prayer. Wait till you wait till Jesus said about honoring your father and money. Let, mother, let me tell you this story about how Jesus talked about adultery and fasting. And uh, let me tell you, it, it, that's not what was going on. All those things are important. But they're only important because of the resurrection. If the resurrection didn't happen, none of these teachings would be important. Because that means that Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Peter and John aren't simply proclaiming Jesus' teachings. They are proclaiming that he rose from the dead. It changed reality. And made the impossible possible. That we all can go from death to life. And we believe that something happened that changed everything. This is, this is a nice way of thinking about it that I think is important because a lot of people say things like, I don't particularly believe in Jesus, but I want my kids to have a good moral code. And so I bring them to church. And, I'm just, and I think church is important because of morality. Well, I like to think that if you come to church, it helps you with your moral co- code. Of course, I, I mean, I hope that it helps you be a better person in this world. To live a, 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 a life that with integrity. I hope that happens for you. But it's really hard to say that I'm following a moral code if Jesus isn't who he said he was. And I'm going to stand on the shoulders of a giant today with C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis put it this way. And, and I think this, is, this perfectly sums it up. These are your options in believing in Jesus. Right? Option one, all the way on this side, was that he did not claim to be God. Now, there are people out there who believe, well, Jesus didn't really actually think he was God. That came later. That was like his disciples made that up later. But if you uh, look at the scriptural witness and the testimony from outside of Christianity sources, it is very clear that Jesus claimed to be God. It was the whole reason he was crucified. He was crucified because of blasphemy. He claimed to be God. But if he didn't, 
you would just chalk up Jesus as a legend. And why would you ever put your hope in a legend? Legend is a bedtime story. So, the other option is that he did make this claim. And, you know, if you start kind of on this side, he, you could say he made this claim uh, and he didn't know that it was wrong. He didn't know that it was false, which made him crazy, made him a lunatic. It's like uh, someone who thinks they're a poached egg, right? Like, I think I'm God. Like, that's nuts. That's nuts. And interestingly, when I read the teachings of Jesus and hear about Jesus, everything he says is profoundly sane. I don't see the ravings of a lunatic. I see a very calculated and brilliant use of teaching and the way of God. Of course, if he made that claim and he knew it was false, that makes him a liar. Hard to build a moral compass around your teacher who is a liar. I don't think that's a viable option. It messes everything up because he claimed to be God and he's not, and he knew it. And so then actually, that's horrible. Then he like deceived everybody to the point where they ended up dying for him. That would make him a monster, actually. But of course, there's another option that is true. That he's exactly who he said he is. Here's what we believe. That the resurrection is evidence that that's true. And in fact, these are what the early disciples believe. Let's go to Acts 17, verse 31. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Talking about God. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus is the one because he's the only one that was raised from the dead. So, back to our question. Who is Jesus? This is a question that I think we all have to answer at some point in our lives. We have to answer, who is Jesus? Is he a legend? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? And depending on how you answer this question depends on the starting point of your faith. So here's what we can say today. That Jesus is the one who rose from the dead and changed everything. He made the impossible possible. He brings us from death to life. He ran under four minutes first. We all have hope that we can do it because he said we could. Because of what he's done for us on the cross. And that changes everything. Think about it. If you think that at the end of your life, you're going to be with Jesus forever. No matter what. No matter what happens. That has to change your here and now. It changes how you live now. On the other hand, if you thought that nothing happens and we're all worm food, that changes how you live now. Belief is a powerful thing. The second thing is that belief is the key that unlocks the victory. Belief is the key that unlocks the victory. And so we believe. And when we say we believe, it changes. It changes our here and now. It changes our behavior. It changes our hopes and dreams. 
It changes what we work for. It changes what we think about. And I think that is our starting point.